I, I think for at least for me, and and sometimes, you know, you see sci-fi stuff or you see how Star Trek has like affected our everyday life with technology, that kind of thing. You look into the future and wonder, is there a time that we could be even more connected than we are right now? And I, and I guess. Like, there's some creepy ways that that could be true, uh, that we could have, like, 24-7 cameras on us all the time for other people to, to watch or something like that. I don't, I don't know what that would be, but it's, it's hard for me to imagine uh, just being able to carry a computer around in our pockets that can take pictures and video, and we can instantly communicate with anybody around the globe. Uh, it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, you definitely don't need a swivel desk to be accessible, uh, to, accessible to other people all the time with the shift in communication we've experienced in, in really just like the last 25 uh, to 50 years. Yet with all the positive advancements at play, uh, more connectivity has allowed for some negative things to pop up as well. Any random troll or bot has a voice online, and we probably all had our day at some point knocked off course just because someone else decided to unleash their hurt and anger or just like, um, I don't know, just being a psychopath you know, on, on the internet and just wanting to ruin other people's days um, in some kind of online form. And there are countless bridges we have access to spanning the gaps between lives across the globe, and yet the general feeling seems to be that division is kind of ruling the day, that maybe people seem to be a little bit more interested in burning bridges or building walls than they do uh, uh, wanting to actually get to know who the other person is on the other side of the gap. <clears throat> the meaning of tolerance has been flipped on its head. Uh, vigilante mob mentality is quick to cancel someone off of maybe an article headline rather than actually knowing what happened in a situation. And unfortunately, whether well-deserved or not, Christians uh, get wrapped up into having a not such a great reputation when it comes to these kind of interactions and how we engage the culture around us. And there's something even more important than civil discourse at stake, and it has eternal implications. The way we connect to each other, or disconnect as the case may be, uh, the way we connect to other people reflects or, or it deflects or it ruins how God desires to connect with humanity. I mean, this, like, uh, maybe the phrase will show up here in a second. Is it coming? There it is. Uh, the way we connect to other people reflects how God desires to connect with humanity. Like, that's the ideal bridge that we're called to build as Christ followers in this world. And so over the next few weeks in the sermon series, uh, we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about how we handle this responsibility, this expectation that Jesus has in connecting with others and how to be Jesus-directed rather than culturally directed and how we bridge the gap with our fellow human beings. I like the picture a bridge uh, paints for us because it's one of those things that we take for granted that are just going to be there for us when we're traveling, like when we come up to I don't know, a huge gap in the road, whether it's a river or it's a gorge or something like that. We just expect, of course, there's going to be a bridge here for me to be across, for me to cross. It's not really something that we think about unless, as a kid, you guys, you guys ever hold, try to hold your breath as you cross a bridge? We did that with tunnels a lot, too, but, you know, how long the bridge was, you tried to, hopefully the driver's not doing that. But we actually had to entertain ourselves, <laughs> you know, when it, when it came. If a bridge was out, for example, that was a huge in inconvenience because there were these things we had to pull out of the backseat of our cars called, called a map. 
and then we had to reroute ourselves. Anybody ever have to do that and remember what that was like? It's like, oh, man, now we just kind of take for granted that a bridge is going to be there that's going to span the obstacle that we need to cross so we can get to our destination. It's not going to be a big deal. Uh, now, for those of you like me who got to go to the library when you were in school as a kid and play Oregon Trail on the computer, you guys remember that? Like, you got to learn what it was like to not have bridges. Because you came up to a river, you had to decide how you are going to cross it. And like if you tried to float everything across, uh, nine times out of ten, everything would flip over. Uh, someone would drown, and you'd lose all your possessions for <laughs> all your food that you just hunted or something like that. So you know how important a bridge is. A bridge is span gaps that contain, we know all this, that contain obstacles that either can't be traversed or cause a prohibitive delay to our destination. And as disciples of Jesus, outside of our own relationship with God, that Jesus bridges the gap for us to be able to experience Uh, the most important gaps that we span are the ones in between relationships with others around us. And this is something that has to be intentional in our lives. One of the things that my family has done uh, about every other year is that we've gone and spent a few days around uh, Memorial Day. Actually, we're not able to do it this year, so I'm really bummed out about that. But we've gone and we've spent time with our friends from college so it's four other families, it's all their kids, it's crazy, um, it's exhausting, quite frankly, uh, to do that. But we go down, and we've gone to this campground that's on the eastern shore, the, Del- uh, the south- southern part of the Delmarva Peninsula. And to get there, if, if you've ever been in that area of the country, you know you have to cross the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, which is this, this impressive, massive structure. Um, it's fairly unique. In fact, there are only 10 in the world. There might be an 11th being built right now. And three of those 10 or 11 bridge tunnels exist in the Hampton Roads area. I don't know if you knew that. But the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, if you haven't been across it, is 17.6 miles across, basically the whole thing. They have their own uh, police force, actually, for, for the bridge that they employ. It's $18 to cross it one way, which is crazy, but you think, I mean, it's about a dollar a mile uh, for, for how long that is. And so that's one of the things that we do is we get to cross that bridge, you know, Everybody looks and sees, sees the water, and it's cool, and there's ships crossing, and that kind of thing. Um, here's, something, here's something about this bridge that really stuck out to me um, that, that I think is really important for how we think about the bridges that we're called to, to build, to be able to get to our relationships that we enjoy and that we're meant for. For the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, it's mandatory that the bridge be checked and serviced every five years. And since servicing the bridge takes about five years, the work never stops. And that's, that's one of those things I think it's important for us to have in mind when we think about what it means to be in relationship with other people and what it means to reach out to other people with the relationship that God has called us to share with each other. With every connection we make and maintain, there's a cost to be paid and there's work to be done. And yet, when we have the right motivation when it comes to connecting with other people, The costs and the work simply become part of the natural daily rhythms we participate in to get to what really matters in life. And this isn't just limited to people who are our closest friends. Um, Every day we make choices that determine whether or not we're willing to bridge the gap with another person. We're either building bridges or we're burning them down. We're either opening gates to connection or we're building walls. And it's the way we treat and speak to others that makes the difference. And it's clear from Jesus' ministry and the responsibility that he leaves his followers, his disciples with after his resurrection, um, that the expectation for any follower of Jesus will be to guide others in both word and deed 
toward the kingdom of God that he came to usher in for this life and the life to come. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 is a famous passage to represent this. Then Jesus came to his disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And this teaching has been coined the Great Commission because these words of Jesus are representative of the progression of action that we take as those who have experienced the resurrected Jesus in our lives. Luke, in his gospel investigative narrative, uh, is select in his use of the term witnesses. Uh, by the way, from, that's where we get our term martyr from, uh, for disciples of Jesus. And this illustrates how we participate in the good news of Jesus. Um, and as Luke puts it, it's meant to spread to the ends of the earth. And so participation as witnesses extends through generations of Christians from their faithfulness in connecting to Jesus and then helping connect others in the same way. That's why you and I are here right now in this moment. It's because that's happened through, throughout centuries. Men and women and children continue today to go about their lives as ministers of reconciliation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes those efforts are subtle. Uh, sometimes we don't even know that it's happened and only occasionally get celebrated in the way that we want to celebrate them. And yet the quiet work of building bridges, connections to one another, sustains the connections we were always meant to have. And there are so many ways in which over the years that this sharing of the gospel has been attempted. Um, we've tried scare tactics. You're going to hell, so you better love Jesus. Uh, pamphlets, you know, here's a track, here's a fake, you know, tip for your waiter and your waitress, and really it just says, oh, here's your tip, follow Jesus. Um, we've tried world building, colonization, he's like, oh, you actually need to live like our society so that you can be connected to Jesus. But Jesus had something very different from those things in mind, and it's been modeled for us through the early church, and it's just as effective now as it was then. And so I want to zero in on a very specific description that Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and this is going to be starting in verse 13, but like I normally do when we read part of a section of Scripture, I want to encourage you in particular to read the first part of this chapter as well, verses 1 through 12, if you're not familiar with them. Um, and Paul gives this description of how Jesus went about bridging this gap between us and others and how it changes us. So Ephesians chapter 2 I'm going to read verses 13 through 18. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. I'm also going to read verses 19 through 22. Consequently, you who are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 
as Paul is writing this passage to the church at Ephesus, he's bridging the gap between his fellow Israelites who have become believers in Jesus and Gentiles who are those who are anybody who's not an Israelite and doesn't have the godly heritage that the Israelite nation enjoyed up to that point. They have become followers of Jesus as well. Um, and, and Paul is unifying these two groups by reminding them of what Jesus came to accomplish for everyone. That those who are near to God and those who are far from God receive the same message of peace, the same message of reconciliation through the cross because they're being built up together to be an assembly of people defined by the presence of God. And that's who we gather to be together each Sunday as we meet and we worship him. When we remember where we've come from, we're more inclined to help others get here. To get to where God has brought us together. To build us into a place where his presence is here and at work. Otherwise, when we don't remember where we've come from, and we don't remember how Jesus has brought us here, we risk the dividing wall of hostility that Jesus broke down. There's a really important thing about Jesus, uh, about, well, Jesus too. <laughs> but there's another important thing about bridges that we normally take for granted. Um, bridges are pretty indiscriminate. Other than perhaps having to pay a toll or maybe a single lane bridge, we've got some of those out in the country, uh, where you have to wait for someone who's coming the opposite direction to cross. Um, or you could play chicken, I guess, but uh, you wait for them to cross uh, or maybe a drawbridge, and you're waiting for a ship to pass. Uh, bridges let just anybody across. The way they're built, the way they're engineered, even how they're designed are for the benefit of everyone to be able to cross. And when Paul talks about the peace that Jesus both preached and provided access to, Jesus did this indiscriminately as well. The opportunity that he creates and provides is for all. Jesus' message of, the peace, of peace through the cross is just as much for those who are near as those who are far away. And that's why following Jesus means that we have in mind those who are here and also those who are not. It's, it's both and, not either or. The gap that Jesus bridged is sin, and all of the things that divide us and that we find intolerable, the thing that should overshadow all others is that we're sinners in need of a Savior. And the more we feed into divisiveness in our own lives, the more we participate in islands of isolation when the bridge was already, has already been built and God has simply asked us to extend it to others. Not to force someone across, not to scare them across, but by being built on the foundation of grace and truth and being witnesses to the spiritual peace the cross has reconciled us to. My biggest regret in life will always be related to not doing my part in reaching out to someone else. That will always be the case. As I think about my, you know, what are my, my regrets? Oh, I'm not a professional athlete. Or, what, you know, that, whatever, the, whatever the case may be. You know, like my biggest regret is always those periods of time in my life where I realize I didn't, I didn't do my part. And, and maybe, maybe if I had, things would have been different in this relationship with this other person, how they might be connected and reconciled to God. Um, when you do this, when you reach out to others, when you extend that bridge across, when you are part of a bridge-building effort, um, it opens yourself up to disappointment. 
you can be uncomfortable, uh, you're not going to know all the answers, and yet the goodness that flows out of the willingness to build is overwhelming. To witness the resurrection of Jesus still at work in the lives of those who have never known him, or in the lives of those who have given up on God, um, that is more than enough motivation. And I've got I to gotta share this amazing comment. This is, this is something that somebody shared. They had no idea that we were starting the sermon series. I didn't go asking for it or anything like that. They just shared this on a Connect card from someone in our church who knows what this is like because they were willing to help bridge the gap for someone else. And so this is the comment from the Connect card. I just wanted to share a child I used to bring to Velocity often with my kids many years ago is now 16 and very active at Fairmount Christian Church. It's over in Mechanicsville off Creighton Road. She thanked me last week for bringing her to church and introducing her to God. She loves Velocity, but it's too far for her family, and they're liking Fairmount too. This, this is what it means to build bridges to the kingdom. This, this is what it means for us to extend the peace that Jesus came to bring for those who are near and far away. I mean, like... The goal is not for the organization, right? I mean, it's like, oh, this somebody, oh, this must not count because it's not a person who's coming to Velocity currently, you know, Ezra. No, no, the, the goal is the kingdom, and, the, and all bridges lead back to Jesus. And that's how we're called to live out our relationships with each other and those that surround us in our lives, whatever our sphere of influence is. This is, this is amazing. And, and quite frankly, that's just one of so many amazing stories like that here, but it started very simply, and that's just with wanting to connect someone to Jesus. That, that's it. That was the effort put into that, is to connect someone to Jesus. Like we mentioned before, the gap is sin, and sin separates us from the peace that Jesus offers to a divided and divisive world. Like, we have what people want and what people need. And while hell after death is a concern we don't want to ignore at all, in addition to that, there are so many people who are living through hell right now in their lives, isolated from the one who frees our weary souls. That's the whole deal with hell. It's the separation from God, not the stylized, you know, pitchfork and horns and tail and fire in the background that makes it hell. People are living that now, and we can see the devastating effects, but there's also a bridge that we can extend. Jesus has done all the work, but let's also be regularly asking ourselves, to whom can I be building a bridge? Or, or maybe, maybe it's recognizing that we're always building or burning bridges down, and, and asking ourselves, what kind of bridge am I building to the people who surround me? In Galatians chapter 4, um, Paul writes this. He says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. The NIV uh, phrases it, when the set time had fully come. Um, but I, I like I like a different uh, way of, of phrasing this, and, and that is in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you ever think through, like, as far as world history and that kind of thing, why, why did God send Jesus when he did in, in history? And, and as Paul says, like, why is that considered the, 
the right time, the fullness of time. Like this is the time when Jesus was supposed to be sent. Um, just a little bit of you know what had happened through Hebrew history, uh, of course, uh, plays into that. But also, I think a large part of that is the state of the world and how it existed under the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire had certainly conquered what is considered mostly the known world at the time. Obviously, there's there's more uh, there were more people groups uh, around that. But there was a unique setting as a result of how the Roman Empire went about this. And one of the things the Roman Empire is really famous for is not just how much territory they controlled, but how they connected that territory with roads and with bridges and with tunnels. And in fact, the reason for their long-term success has a lot to do with this, because the way that they were able to uh, acquire tax revenue, the way that they were able to communicate with other people, the way that they were able to move their military forces, were as a result of these roads and bridges and tunnels that some of which still exist today and that people have been using throughout the the centuries because of how well it's been built. Um, the kingdom of God is a little bit different than the Roman Empire um, in that Jesus came to draw those near and far through peace, obviously. But with our time being now and the people that we come into contact needing the peace of Jesus all the more as time marches on and with us being connected more than ever, my hope and my prayer is that for this congregation and how we think about our relationships with other people, the connections that we're able to make with those around us, that we are reaching out with the same peace of Jesus who came to redeem so that we might show others the way to be reconciled to him. Jesus is, is the answer. And he's the one that we are helping to guide people across the bridge. I mean, he, he's the bridge that we're, that we're pointing, pointing people to. And so may we, as we approach our interpersonal relationships, whether it's at home, whether it's with friends, whether it's with enemies, whether it's with coworkers or perfect strangers, may we be thinking about how Jesus came to preach a message of peace through the cross to reconcile others to God, to those who are both near and those who are both far away. May we be asking ourselves, who has God in this time and this place in my life put there so that I can build a bridge to them to connect them to him? What, what kind of bridges do I already have set in place with people in, in this fullness of time, in this place? How, how might Jesus be the thing that we're directing other people to, the person that we're directing other people to, the solution that we're directing other people to, the joy, the hope, the peace, the grace, the mercy, the justice that we're guiding people across the bridge to with our lives. Every week at Velocity, we make a very specific point in time in our service to make sure that we acknowledge and identify that Jesus is the foundation that connects us back to God. And, and that will always be the thing. It's not going to be a special, and we're going to talk about very specific ways and how we do this next week uh, and how we connect people, uh, very specific, uh, pragmatic steps for what this looks like. But, but it's always Jesus. That, that's the thing that people are, uh, are, are looking for. It's, it's, it's not anything else. It's a, it's a person that they're looking for. And we celebrate 
what that looks like every week at Velocity when we take communion together. And so this death, burial, and resurrection that we celebrate, um, that we experience each week as we come together, as we worship and make God our audience of one uh, each Sunday as we gather together with our small groups, and as we're reminded of what it looks like uh, to live as a result of Jesus uh, dying on the cross for our sins, um, that's what we celebrate and that's what we're reminded of when we share in this time together right now. So let me pray for that, and as soon as I finish praying, we're going to share in that time together. God, uh, we thank you for bridging the gap for us to you. Uh, there's nothing that we could have done on our, on our own power. Um, you, you take care of both sides of the equation, and, and yet you offer us the opportunity to freely walk across. God, we thank you for um, how Jesus meets us, uh, how Jesus redeems us. God, we praise you for that. May we extend the same bridge to others in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.